We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another episode of The Pod is the Roof, the Field of 68's very own UNC basketball podcast. Trying to keep the energy up in the intro, man. It's been it's been a rough, rough little stretch for, for Riley and I here. It's been some some depressing times. Uh UNC last night, we're recording the day after. As all of you who are watching this probably know, lost at the Carrier Dome. To Syracuse. A lot, lot of things happened, man. A lot of miscues on UNC's part. Syracuse had an, a once-in-a-blue-moon shooting night. Just, just everything that could have went wrong went wrong, man. We're going to be breaking it all down. Talking about whether or not we should be panicking about this team. All the fun stuff. Not the stuff we want to be talking about. But, you know, got to address the bad, too. So, Riley, how are you doing, man? I've been better, you know, it's just, it's from a fan perspective, comparing just the feeling of watching UNC drop the game last night to how we felt 10 days ago after beating Duke in a rather dominant fashion. It just doesn't really make sense how those were the same two teams um, with essentially the same rotation as well. And, you know, if it was a one-off, we feel a little bit better but it's just starting to seem a little bit like a trend after dropping the home game to Clemson and uh, almost letting Miami come back in a game where you went up 12 in the first half uh, to where it just seems like Carolina's late game executions really struggled. The defense is not looking nearly as connected or even as aggressive or as physical as it did a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I just think, I think this team desperately needs to get a couple of home games in to, to sort of get right. Yeah. I mean, Luckily, they get to bounce back Saturday, home game against Virginia Tech. But then again, it's like Virginia Tech's a scrappy team, man. You always got to worry about the revenge game narrative. So Tyler Nickel might come in and drop 25. You just never know. And yeah, then it's, I don't know, man, it's going to be tough. You you go from, like you said, 10 days ago, we're on top of the world. You know, it's, you dominated Duke. You control your own destiny to winning the ACC outright and grabbing a one seed basically and 
Now you've put yourself in a completely different spot, man. Like the only thing right. you got over Duke really is head to head unless they lose again. Um it's it's gonna be tough. They do have a tough schedule down the stretch. North Carolina has a few tough games left as well. It does concern me though, because it, it could come down to that last game in Cameron. So it's it's gonna be tough, but you know, let's before we even get into last night, before we even get into Miami, any of that, I'm going to ask you the question, Riley. In your opinion, is it time to hit the panic button on the UNC Tar Heels? Uh, hmm. I would say I'm more frustrated than panicked. Like, I, I don't know. I think there's a world where maybe they collapse and sort of stumble into the tournament as a five or a six seed or something and flame out in the first weekend. Well, I don't think there's, it's really hard to envision them dropping below the five line, but it, it definitely seems possible to to be a four or five seed and get picked off by a plucky mid major in the first round. And we're all sitting around like what happened? How did this team that was ranked in the top three for a large chunk of the season just flame out? And some of the same questions we had going into the year resurfaced about what's the trajectory of the program. Um, at the same time, I think we we have such a large sample size. I mean, we have a 20-game sample size of Carolina playing really well, and especially during that win streak of, you know, I still don't think that the defense was a fluke. I don't think the three-point numbers were a fluke. Some of it was lucky, sure, but the way they were running teams off the three-point line, the way they were keeping teams out of the paint, the way they were playing aggressively in the gaps to get steals, um, all of that has just seemed to be dialed, has been dialed back a good bit since the Duke game. Um, and, and that's where, I don't know, again, that's why I brought up the struggles on the road uh, and just wondering if, you know, all these road games where they've like three of the last five games have been on the road. And then you go back to January where you played three straight road games and uh, yeah, there hasn't been an extended homestand and you just wonder is, is that, does that wear on the psyche? Um, Not to mention like maybe you got a little overconfident confident after how they beat Duke and how in the second half, it wasn't much of a contest. Uh, these are still college students. These are still uh, a lot of guys on this team who haven't experienced success at this level before. And it, it would make sense if it got to their head a little bit. Um, but how about you? Where are you at as far as in terms of the panic button? I'm if we're scaling it one to 10, I'd say I'm probably at about, a I'd say I'm probably in like the five to six range and the only reason I say that is because the Georgia Tech loss was a little different but these last two to Syracuse and Clemson the two worst things that you can do are exactly what's happened which is slow start bad finish Mm -hmm. like they start the game in a hole have to try to claw their way back. And then they get it close or they take a lead exactly like they did to get Syracuse. And then it's like mental lapses, bad late game offense. And I do worry, you know, I know last night was a bit of a anomaly. I mean, Syracuse shot 64%. If I saw the stats correctly, that's only the second time a team shot 60% or better against UNC since Dean Smith retired and I think it was since 2015 was, so not quite that far back <laughs> I think it I think it literally said since since Roy Williams coached that's only happened twice 
I'm pretty sure. I could I be think wrong. It was the, I think you were right. I, I, I saw some stat that it was the highest since 2015, which maybe it happened like once under Roy or twice under yeah, Roy. Yeah, that's true. It could, but, but you know, Pitt shot 60% in 2015. So it's like, it, yeah, but that's, you know, to me, that's just basketball. Did they hit tough shots? Yes. But why were they able to hit tough shots? Because our guards were putting little to no resistance on their guards from getting to their spots and getting to the mid-range. For example, J.J. Starling cooked in the mid-range the entire night. I understand he hit some extremely tough shots, especially the three that he banked in. However, when a guy's killing you from the mid-range, you have to stop him from getting to the mid-range. Like, it, it's it's just one of those things. Like, he, he kept just shooting over R.J., who is a smaller guard, and... It was just a recipe for disaster. Now, will someone shoot 64% against UNC again? Probably not. That's where the panic meter, that's why the panic meter isn't high. You know, mm-hmm. if Syracuse shoots 42% and wins this game 86 to 79, then then the panic meter is a little higher. But yeah, it's just it's tough. And, you know, like you said, the late the late game execution is just it does concern me a bit because Obviously, you have one guy who can go get you a bucket, and that's R.J. Davis. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like down the stretch of these games, people kind of just do the same thing, which is we're going to key in on R.J. Someone else go get a bucket and beat us. And, you know, we've seen Ingram hit shots, not necessarily creating his own, but we've seen the ball swung to him and a team late on rotations he hits a shot. That right there is why I think Cormac is like the X factor key for this team because, you know, he did hit shots in the first half of this game and the second half he didn't. And I feel like down the stretch teams just kind of, they're kind of rolling. They're like, you know, if Cormac Ryan beats us with a big shot, then whatever. He's going to be huge because if he can hit those shots, then it completely changes UNC's late game offense. But I mean, like what... What is the biggest, I guess, you know, they obviously shot 64%, so you probably want to say defense, but, like, what what happened last night? Yeah, in my opinion, it was the – they let Starling and Mintz get comfortable in the mid-range, and I know I said it didn't seem like they were very aggressive, but that's I think that's exactly what it comes down to. And I don't know if they're doing – I don't think they're doing anything schematically different than – how they were guarding against like Oklahoma back in December when they completely dogged those dudes for all 40 minutes. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything schematically that's different as far as still the no middle scheme. There's still some drop coverage from Armando mixed in, but I, I think like the guards, maybe the guards are getting hung on the screen screens too much or giving them too much of a cushion or not getting being aggressive enough with how tight they play them. Um, and I think Carolina has generally, like, if you go back to the weight game, they forced them into a ton of tough mid-range shots, but they contested them. And just last night in that game, I mean, you can blame some of the size mismatch between Cadeau and RJ and Mintz and Starling, but if if you go back and look at the game a month ago, Mintz kind of got his numbers late. Starling only had eight points. We, we've seen this team be able to shut down bigger guards before. I mean, Hunter Salas, they were able to keep him in check. Um, like, I don't, I, I think it, I don't think it's an effort thing. I don't like, I, I think effort's sort of a crutch that is 
what fans say when they don't know how else to analyze the game, which is fine. You know, like we're fans for a reason, not coaches, but um, yeah, I think some of it was just a lack of aggressiveness or not being as locked in or as focused or even connected as a team and trusting one another um, that's leading to some of these defensive lapses. And at, at the same time, like you think about those Malik Brown pick and pop threes that he hit on the first, like two of the first three possessions of the game, I know Armando's being asked to do a lot because he is helping. <laughs> I mean, he's helping whichever guard is in a ball is being put in a ball screen. And Malik Brown has made four threes all season going into that game. So you you don't want to knock him too much for not sprinting out to close out. At the same time, it's just like the closeouts just did not look good for those two possessions in particular. Yeah, that's kind of the thing to me is. It just feels, they just feel a little lethargic. They feel a little, you know, I'm not saying that they're not going after loose balls. I'm not saying that they're not still playing defense, but it doesn't seem like it seems like they're still getting outworked to those things. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. as bad as they played last night, they they had a chance at the end to win this game. And the reason that they didn't is because Quidier Copeland came in off the bench and made like four straight hustle and effort. I want it more than you plays. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, Cormac lost two of them. There was a couple bad, like, it's just, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of the formula though. You, you let a team do this the whole game. Then when you have it close and you have a chance to win, the basketball gods punish you. And, you know, you, you had it 76-72. They missed the free throw. Cormac gets the rebound. Immediately, Copeland comes in, strips it off his leg after already giving up. So so you give up that. I basically count that as an offensive rebound. Then they miss again. You give up another offensive rebound. That's just two plays where Syracuse mm-hmm. wanted it more than you. I mean, it's... It's like it's not coming down to to effort the entire game. Right. I just feel like they they dig such a deep hole, climb their way back that by the time the game is at its end, they've worked so hard to climb back into the game. They just don't have enough left in the tank to actually close it out. And you know, you might disagree with me here, but do you not feel like when you watch this team, you kind of know whether they're going to win or lose within the first 10 minutes of a game. Starting to feel like that a little bit. And yeah, I guess, I mean, I was really going to harp on the late game stuff because it was an issue against both Miami and Syracuse Uh, with Miami. I mean, we don't have, there was a lot, there was a lot to like in, in parts of those games. I even thought going back to defense, like RJ guarded Nigel pack really well, stayed in his stance and, guarded the ball kept his man in front of him which we we did not see happen against Syracuse but um even down the stretch with the different turnovers the missed free throws the turnover on the inbounds uh which again was like that little elevator screen which I just think Carolina uses that a bit too much it seems like anytime that the anytime a half is about to end uh even when Hubert calls a timeout at the end of the first half he often goes to those to run a little elevator screen for whoever he wants to get a shot for and 
Miami snuffed it out, picked the picked the pass, and almost scored off of it. Um, so it's like that that stuff. And then again, last night you mentioned all the turnovers. It's really tough. Going back to Clemson as well, when they tied it at 70, they finished the game one for five with, I think, three or four turnovers down the stretch. You're not going to be able to get back into games if you don't take shots, if you if you muff these possessions. But I think you're onto something well is like as well with the the slow starts that are just as concerning. And the fact that you come off of that win at Miami that was closer than it should have been, a game that you were able to control for the really the first 10 minutes and the final 17 minutes before Miami was crawling back in. Uh, you come into a game like that after after nearly blowing a lead that you worked hard to get. And to have the slow start plague you again, just like against Clemson, uh, it, it's, it's a little bit baffling, a little bit mind-boggling how – Carolina can go on these scoring droughts when we know, um, I mean, how good RJ Davis is. It seemed like whenever Armando got a position in the post, he was cooking whichever Syracuse big man was on him. Like those dudes couldn't guard him and he he wasn't as aggressive as I would have liked to see. Um, sometimes I wonder why Ingram doesn't take more shots. Like he gets, he gets good looks and he either hesitates or passes it. And it's like, dude, you're a 42% three point shooter. Just let it fly. I promise your coach still loves you. I promise we as fans still love you and believe in you. Like, I think that's a good shot for Harrison Ingram to pull it, you know? Um, it's just, it's, it's tough. It is. And that's like the, that's what they got to figure out, man. It's, you can't, you can't have slow starts and bad finishes and only play good in the middle portion of the game. And it's not even just the starts to, to the game it's the starts to each half i mean last night they they were right there and they start over eight like it's and, and syracuse is back up 10 before you know it and it's just i don't know i don't know if they they got a little too cocky and comfortable and just kind of aren't coming out as locked in and they're just mm-hmm. like well i mean we've been top 10 for the last five, six weeks, whatever it is, you know, it's, we we can afford to kind of go out there, go through the motions, but it's like our guy T hands said on after dark last night, this team is simply not good enough to not show up on the defensive end. Like they are talented. Mm-hmm. They're very talented. But they're not they're not talented enough offensively to just take the night off on defense. It's like yeah. this team goes as the defense goes, and I think you see that last night. I mean, they simply did not have the offensive firepower to overcome Syracuse shooting sixty four percent, and you know sixty four percent is sixty four percent but they scored eighty six points you know I've seen u n c teams in the past that have the firepower to put up ninety and still win that game right so that's the concern it's it's yeah the i think to the the extent of the defense just to contextualize how bad it was carolina shot forty eight percent from the field they hit eleven threes they averaged one point two two points per possession like all of those numbers point to being good enough to win on the road. They scored 79. That usually gets it done on the road, but the defense just could not get a stop because guys couldn't stay in front of another man. And they didn't make up for it by aggressively hunting steals. I liked the adjustment to blitz ball screens in the second half. I, I 
kind of think Carolina should have gone to that earlier. That caused some turnover issues or even go back to the full court press. That seems to energize the team. Um, and maybe, maybe Hubert was reluctant to do that based on Seth sort of getting back into the fold after missing the last two games. Um, but I even think you can throw packs in there for a couple minutes. If, if guys need a breather, I think his, his offense, he's not really going to give you much on offense other than he, he at least goes for boards. He's, he's pretty strong rebounder for his size and for his position. But if the goal is to get some turnovers and play aggressive defense for a two to three minute spurt, throw packs in there, give, give RJ a break, give Cadeau a break, whatever it is. Um, and just try to get some live ball turnovers going it's like, or throw withers in there to, for a two to three spurt stretch to use his link to be disruptive that way too. Like, that I think, yeah, the kind of hit on the main concerns with both the way Carolina starts and the way Carolina finishes. But I mean, the the bench is also, yeah, I would say the bench is panic worthy as well. Now I feel yeah. like I'm going back on what I said that I wasn't that panicked. I'm more frustrated. I'm still not, and I'll I'll get into why I'm still confident in this team. But yeah, the way they start, the way they finish, and the bench are three things that have to be top of the list for Carolina to start fixing both in this three game or this three day stretch leading up to the Virginia game and, or the Virginia tech game. And then the week off heading into the Virginia game. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. 
you will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today yeah i mean that's the the holy trinity of unc issues um so i do want to hit on the bench because i actually do have a bit of a bit of a jk theory here so um you know you lose to georgia tech cool that game that georgia tech game was a little fluky i wasn't really worried about that one i do have have a uh a theory about these last two though um you know clemson didn't shoot near as well as syracuse but the defense wasn't great in that game and the defense was bad last night so I'm thinking, and you know, this this is probably this could be a stretch, but it just seems this way. I feel like the starting five has been less physical and hasn't been as dominant defensively because with Seth Trimble's absence and the fact that he, you know, came back last night, but he's still not a hundred percent, they're putting pressure on themselves. Because they don't, you know, necessarily trust the guys off the bench. They know they have to play a lot of minutes. So they're being less physical to avoid getting in foul trouble and having to go to those guys on the bench, which is kind of like the crutch of the Iron Five. Like, Mm -hmm. I think deep down they know that with Seth Trimble not being healthy, who do you trust coming off the bench? And I think that does probably get in their head a little bit because you notice the physicality has been way down in the Mm -hmm. last three games, especially compared to that Duke game. So I do think there is a little bit of like a mental warfare thing going on there where, where those guys are thinking to themselves, you know, we cannot get in foul trouble. If we do, we're letting our team down. So they they dial back on the physicality a bit and I can't even blame Cadeau for not being physical because (laughs) I don't even understand how that kid's officiated. But, um, yeah, I do think there's a little bit of a mental thing there, man. That's JK theory. Yeah, when Cadeau got smacked across the the face last night, I feel like that's only – I don't know. I don't want to – again, this is – <laughs> you know what? I'm going to make an excuse and blame it on being a fan and not a coach or a player. Like, <laughs> Carolina should have won regardless of their officiating. Like, you would have liked to see them play well enough to, to win. But I feel like that gets called a, a flagrant in eight times out of ten this year. Yeah. And, like, why is the one guy who always gets called for ticky-tack fouls unable to draw a flagrant when he gets smacked in the face? I, I Didn't they, like, not even review it? No, they didn't. It, it, see, you're going to tell me – It just doesn't make sense because if there is facial contact, you're supposed to at least take a look at it. And 
I mean, I just it, it doesn't make sense because in the same game, they took a look at a Cormac foul where he clearly, yeah, he might have hit his arms hard, but he was clearly making a play on the ball and saying, I can't give up a layup here. They reviewed that. You know, they reviewed the play at the end where Armando, like, I guess they viewed it as tackled Judah Mintz or whatever. But, right. dude, we didn't even look at it. I'm telling you, man, I, I don't know if, like, I don't know if Cadeau said something to to a ref at some point and it just, just spread through the refing community and, and they're just not with it. I don't know if it's just an ACC thing. I don't. I don't know what it is. I don't know if they're trying to prove a point mm-hmm. of like this kid should still be in high school, so we're going to officiate him differently. I, I don't know what their problem is with Elliot Cadeau, but I, I've i never seen someone get hit in the face and then not even go to the monitor. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. <laughs> and it just further compounded what was a frustrating night because we had to watch that and then watch like five minutes of UNC struggling to bust his own. <laughs> oh man yeah like oh my gosh i just don't who's who's the who's the guy for you that when teams are keying in on rj who's the guy that you trust as a as a shot creator obviously you know if they're keying in on rj that probably means they're blitzing sending late doubles which means that if you do swing the ball quick enough, you can get guys open looks and yeah. you can catch the defense out of rotation. But, you know, who like, who's the guy you trust to go get a bucket besides RJ? I mean, last night, I know he's not a quote, he's not really a shot creator, but I would have liked to see Armando just keep attacking the attacking, whichever big was on him from the middle of the zone. It seemed like whenever he, whenever he wants to, he can, you know, put his head down, either draw contact or get a bucket. And, uh, and I know Armando finishes 14 and 10, and it's not going to blame that loss on him by any means, but I thought his defense could a little bit, been a little bit better. Would have liked to see some more assertiveness on that end or get Cadeau attacking and trying to get downhill. And I know that's going to have a mix, mixed results sometimes because, you know, he primarily wants to go right and his, his shooting is hit or miss, though he did make a three last night. Um, I mean, he, he puts pressure on the rim and he draws a lot of contact as well. Or even, again, I'm just thinking about this zone. Throw some more Jalen Washington minutes in the, in the middle of the zone and let him just shoot mid-rangers all day, which he's very comfortable doing. Or let Ingram shoot a couple more mid-rangers or play make for others. Like, uh, I think, yeah, just in this game specifically, there was a couple different routes Carolina could have gone for breaking this zone, and it just didn't happen. But um, maybe against a team that's not going to zone UNC, I still look just for ways to get Armando on the move and to to keep him involved, um, whether it's through a cross screen or whatever sort of set you want to draw for him to where he's not just trying to get a deep seal or he's not just posting up, but you actually you know take advantage of some of his mobility. Yeah, I, that's honestly the biggest separator for me. Um, I do still, I honestly do at the end of the day still trust the defense. I think we're going to see some serious stuff over these next six, especially with four of them being at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just think Hubert's done a great job this year, so I trust him to make adjustments, light into these guys, get them, get them fired up. But 
What scares me when I'm looking at like the AP poll and the top teams is I just feel like all of the teams ahead that I would put ahead of UNC, the number one reason I'd put them ahead is because they've got a they've got like two dudes who can go get a bucket last minute. Like, you know, you look at UConn, they've got a freaking plethora. Like you've got Cam Spencer, you've got Tristan Newton, you've got like Stefan Castle. You've got Stefan Castle. I mean, even clinging like in the right situations. You look at Purdue, you've got Braden Smith, you've got Fletcher Lawyer, you've got Zach Eady. You look at Houston, you know, you've got Shed, you've got LJ Cryer, who have both played college basketball for as long or longer than RJ Davis. You know, you got Marquette, you know, they've got they've got Kolick, they've got Cam Jones, they've got Igadaro, like the I just look at UNC and I'm like, who's going to be that guy? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Armando can do it. I just think sometimes it's hard in late game sets to draw up plays for bigs because I feel like mm-hmm. they, they just kind of key in on it. But I think the guy that that can do it, and I, it's weird, man. He had the great game and then he's been super assertive ever since. But I want to see Ingram do it. I mean, yeah, I, I he can. I mean, he, it's just ever since that Duke game, I feel like he just hasn't been shooting a lot. I mean, he had eleven shot attempts last night. He had seven against Miami, and he had seven against Clemson. There is no way ever that Harrison Ingram should not be second or third on this team in shot attempts on a nightly basis. Yeah. That concerns yeah, I'm, me. I'm with you. Uh, I think he, he does have to be the guy they go to or look for ways to get him, get him going downhill and let him draw some fouls. I know he hasn't been great at the free throw line, but at the same time, he has a lot of nights where he just attempts one or two free throws. Um, yeah. So he's someone who I'd like to, I think, they could be a little more creative with getting him going downhill, um, letting him use that size that he has. And it doesn't have to be, you know, I would like to see a couple of ball screens run for him just because he had some, he saw a lot of possessions as the pick and roll ball handler at Stanford. Uh, You don't just get him a couple a game. I mean, I know we have Cadeau and RJ who are commanding most of the ball screen action, but see what, like get a good look at that or something or run him off. I know we talked about running some zoom action for him just because, I want to see him get into the paint a little bit more and be able to draw contact. And yeah, even if he's not the most explosive, get, get the other team in foul trouble with him. Um, don't just, I don't think UNZ has just relegated him to being a spot up shooter. Um, you know, but there have been some games where it's sort of felt like his, his role is to just <laughs> shoot, catch and shoot threes. And that's all he does. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. I shouldn't say that's all he does, but that's his, his main offensive role. And I just think he's more versatile than that and can do, can do a little bit more than that. Yeah, I mean, I can just tell you that I don't think there was a single possession last night where they attempted to get Harrison Ingram downhill or they attempted to get him switched onto a smaller guard mm-hmm. and let him go to work. He he shot five threes. Um, one of the one of the field goal attempts came off the rebound where he was stuck under the basket and somehow created space to make that layup. And then I'm pretty yeah. sure the other attempt was probably either off a rebound or maybe like a midi through the zone or something. But I, it just doesn't it's it's a little baffling because I feel like Ingram is so good and mm. I I just like to see him more involved you know that's I, because we've seen him in in the one game that he has been super involved in the offense I'm just saying the, like the results are there yeah what I, I will also go back to against you could say the th- probably the three best teams we played this year Tennessee UConn, Duke, he has 20 or more points in all three of those. Big game player, get the man his shots. So, um, yeah. Can we, I can I close, can I close on why I am still optimistic and why I'm not completely panicked? Oh, absolutely. We'll, we'll get, we'll give the people a little positivity to walk out on. Yeah. I just think, and our guy, Greg Waddell, made this point on a sleepers media recap of the game where he, he, he said, Carolina has a month to figure it out for the tournament starts. It's good that they they're encountering this now, as opposed to the last week of February or going into the ACC tournament in the first week of March. It's nice to hit like, well, it's not nice to be in the rough stretch, but this is adversity happens in a college basketball season. I think Carolina's playing a lot closer to being ranked like the eighth, 12th best team in the country, like more in that range than the top three um, that I thought they were at, that we thought they were at, that they've shown flashes of being at for the past month. Uh, But maybe they can get back there. It's going to take more consistency on defense. And uh, I think if UNC can just get one out of Zayden High or Jalen Withers to be playable, to give some minutes in the front court, to be able to go a little bit bigger and give Cormac a breather or give – RJ extended time or whoever it is, if you're running a bigger lineup out there, uh, that will go such a long way. And yeah, I, I know I said it earlier, but we have a solid, uh, a solid sample size of them being really good this season. And, and I just, I believe what my eyes showed me during that 10 game winning streak. I don't think, yeah, I, I don't think shot luck was the only reason why they guarded, why they guarded other teams so well. So I think they get it turned around. I I'm like about ready to say they, I know this might sound crazy coming off of these three recent losses, but I kind of think they go six and over five and one down the stretch. I think, I think they're going to go five and one as well. I don't know which game they'll lose. I just feel like they're going to lose either at Virginia or at Duke. One of those two. Um, Now Virginia losing last night obviously does soften the blow a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to get it figured out down the stretch. It, it's they definitely have issues. I definitely trust Hubert to address those issues and fix them. I would like another guy to emerge off the bench. You know, don't know who it's going to be. Don't really care who it is as long as somebody does it. 
but I um, you know, I I feel I feel decent. I think they, you know, Saturday will tell a lot. See how they come out against Virginia Tech at home, defend the home court, get some momentum going. You know, get the train headed back on the right track. Um, I just, I, I definitely think that uh. I definitely think they could figure it out. And like you said, I mean, they're they're still a top 12 team. They might not be as good right now as we thought. But at the end of the day, you know, we also knew that they were probably going to play a bad stretch of basketball at some point. You don't win, you know, you don't win 10 straight games and then it's all just sunshine and rainbows the rest of the season. The only teams that do that are the teams that are – Super duper loaded with a million NBA players like the Kentucky team in 2015 that went undefeated up until the final four. Like it, that's just something that happens once in a freaking blue moon. I mean, even UConn and Purdue as dominant as they are, like they have two losses each. They've had games where they've struggled. Now they end up gutting out wins and that's what separates them. But, you know, there's just not – there's no team in college basketball good enough this year to just maintain an insane win streak like that. So, if UNC can figure it out down the stretch, go 5-1, and one, finish the season 24-7, and seven, you know, I, I'll be feeling I'll be feeling really good. I just hope one mm-hmm. of the five that they win is, is at Cameron. Uh, that, <laughs> that always makes it a little better. But, you know, one last thing before we get out. What, what would your projected – seed line for uncb right now like based Today, on how you th- base right now versus what do you think it will be if they finish five and one or six and a yeah i think they're they, i mean they're playing like a three seed right now um or they don't look i should say they don't look like a one or a two uh based on these past three games they have the resume to still be on that two line probably but inching closer and closer to a three seed, but I think they get back on the two line and that they're solidly on it. Um, I will say if they beat both, if they win at both Virginia and Duke, you're looking at eight quad one wins, the wake forest one, the wake forest went home and the win at NC state could both end up being quad one as well. If you can get to nine to 10 Q one wins going into the ACC tournament, you're feeling pretty good about your chances of one seed. Uh, yeah, I agree, but yeah, they got to go. If they want to be a one seed, they have to win out in the regular season. I think. Yeah, I mean, win out, be 26 and six, get your two quad one wins. Um, and then I know you're a big truther in the, the tournament, the conference tournament doesn't matter. But, you know, if they can win two to three more games, just to, just to boost the record up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I also think that's the other thing that sucks is they just, they've put themselves in a position where, they don't control their own destiny anymore. So they're going to need other things to happen. They're going to need the teams ahead of them to lose. So it's it's going to be interesting. But I agree. I think they're probably a two. I think right now they, they'd be a three. But with, with how against the ACC the NCAA is, I could also see them being like a four because how much they hate the ACC. Like I could <laughs> see them being like, Oh my God, losing to Syracuse is the end of the world. But you know, if they were, if they were in the Big Twelve, you know, the sky wouldn't be falling like this. But yeah, yeah I mean, I, th- they'll figure it out. Um, we'll be back next week, um, sometime after the Virginia Tech game. 
hopefully we will not be coming on this pod saying, yeah, UNC's lost four out of the last six. I think we're going to be saying, all right, back on the right track, big win at home against Virginia Tech. And then it gets a little interesting from there, man. But, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good. Riley, any closing comments? We got a big-time guest who will be joining us for our next pod that will be recording on Tuesday night. So I'm just going to throw that teaser out there. Uh, let's see. Is there anything else that I want to give a clue on who it might be? Uh, get your mops ready. That's all I'll say. Yep. Hey, I got another one for you TikTok fans out there. One of the words in this. If you're a fan of the um, I'm just a little lad who loves something and something, one of those words, that guy's going to be in here. Just know that. All right. We'll see y'all next time. Enjoy some UNC hoops this weekend. Enjoy your Valentine's days, you know, all that fun stuff. Stay safe, everybody. See you next week.